Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. Do you want to answer a new GM's questions? Hey, anything to help a new GM get started. Welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic is um, a DM from a new GM, Chelsea, who is at My Lady Irony on Twitter, who DM'd us to ask, Hi, Pandas. Thank you so much for answering my questions about new GM nerves. I did my homework and listened to Misdirected Mark 101 and 102 and have compiled a list of questions. You are awesome. We love questions. This is going to be on the long side, so I apologize in advance. Feel free to use any of it on episodes. I believe the only player I have that listens to your show is my husband, Terror Dactyl U. My favorite. My favorite dinosaur college. Yep. And he already knows too much. Yeah. Well, they usually do. (laughs) The context. The game is a time travel game based on pretty much Earth as we know it. No aliens, very light magic. One of the players uh, picked an escaped Salem witch. We're using the um, the Rysis system. The party is a response team, one of many that works for a group called the Consortium, with far-reaching but unknown to the party influences and resources. The Consortium's mission is to avert the apocalypse and generally avoid disaster. Time travel is entirely handled by their operator slash handler, and they can't take any gear with them. They find gear waiting for them upon arrival at each new drop. Everything but their time travel unitards burns up during the jump, but a couple have pets, and those make it. The game is episodic in nature. They get in, solve a problem, and make the next jump. Think Quantum Leap meets Doctor Who with a bit of Anubis Gates thrown in. So far, they've prevented Thomas Cromwell from getting sweating sickness, made sure that the U.S. knew some of the missiles in Cuba were not defensive, and saved their handler from the clutches of an evildoer, making Krakatoa erupt in the process. An ex-consortium villain was introduced in the end, so there's a potential for a larger arc, but I have no idea what to do with her. Okay, so here are the questions. How do I provide sufficient advancement? I'm worried that the episodic nature and lack of gear will leave them feeling unfulfilled. The best ideas I have so far is character promotions like they make Captain or something and hijacking 5e's inspiration rules. How do I get them in the habit of playing with their cliches? Most of these players are longtime D&D players, myself included, who aren't used to the improv nature of Rysis. I've been having a hard time getting them to try stuff. It's a little outside their character's wheelhouse. How do I further develop the villain? I listened to your villain episodes, but I already endangered the primary NPC. Wait a bit and do it again? I mean, yeah, sure, but we'll talk about it. (laughs) Do you have any tips for making quick judgment calls? I tend to freeze up when something like, would cholera have been something they would have quarantined for in 1532 comes up? Looking it up adds latency, but I hate the idea of deciding something that's wildly inaccurate, too. I'm sorry this is so crazy long. Also, it goes without saying, but I love the show. It's really changed a lot how I think about gaming. Well, thank you. (laughs) It's the only podcast that I listen to the week it's released. It made me want to try GMing again. Yeah. And is the reason I did the one shot in the first place. Well, color us flattered. That was that was certainly a bit of a message. And sometimes we chunk that up into multiple episodes, but um Uh 
but we were so flattered by um by the message <laughs> that we're just going to do all of the questions uh in yeah. one show unless something goes horribly wrong and then we're breaking into two shows so yeah which could happen only we, future we, sender we will know judgment. only future sender will know if this is one or two shows right all right so uh let's get on with the questions yeah so the first one is so the first question was how do i provide sufficient advancement so so that was where Chelsea was saying that she's worried that the episodic nature and lack of gear is going to leave her characters feeling unfulfilled or her players feeling unfulfilled, right? Yeah, advancement's an important part of games. It's part of the reward mechanism for players. And when we're playing, especially when we're playing campaigns, reward mechanisms are really important because they're the thing that as you go through the story, they're like the payoff, Right. So not just the payoff of completing the story. And we're so conditioned to this right through video games and and other role playing games that, you know, we we do stuff and we gain advancement. So advancement comes in many forms. Uh, The most common, of course, is money and items. Yeah. Which we chatted about loot. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Over on episode 50. So if you haven't heard that one, maybe go check that one out in terms of stuff. Um, Advancement also comes in the form of increased character stats, skills, etc. Yeah. So for Chelsea's game, this is a bit constrained just because her players can't take the gear into the past with them. So loot isn't really the answer here. I think our recommendation is to find a way to advance the group through the existing mechanics. So if you can take something like their cliches and expand on them or add more to them, um, do something with them so that they kind of get more like you would with um, changing aspects in fate, maybe. Or maybe reward them with a new cliche that encompasses how they're progressing as a time agent so that, you know, mechanically that there's there's some sort of payback on that progress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, uh, if they've if they've been plucked from the time stream, um, yeah. And they're and they've been turned into agents. That if they don't have necessarily a cliche about being a time agent, or maybe a cliche about a certain time period or whatever, that um, this is a good time to start rewarding them with this idea. Now there are two paragraphs in the Rises rules on the second or third. I think it's the second page that talks about character advancement. So I would I would first look there about how to do um, new cliches and uh, bumping up cliches. But to start giving them a cliche about being a time agent, so like savvy in the time stream, like knowing how to um, fake your way through a conversation when you don't quite know where you are or how to, you know, how to procure clothes you know, like basically yeah. like wherever you Stuff. land in the time stream, kind of like know how to find clothing, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Or whatever. Clothing, good. transportation, yeah, muscle, whatever. whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, cool. So lastly, you can also go the route of an external meta reward, um, much like Chelsea was saying, like about inspiration or do something like Benny's. So this is a reward not necessarily for the characters, but it's for the players that give them some sort of bonus, extra die, or re-roll, something like that in the game. Right. And we kind of talked about this, but so Chelsea's other idea, like promoting them through the ranks in terms of like the actual time agency, like the consortium, like bringing them up through it, rewarding them the way that you would actually reward that kind of character for doing a good job is a, a great idea too. But you you do definitely want to tie it to something new that the characters could do. So it might be tied to a cliche, 
but it could be tied to something else that they just get a, a mechanical benefit on, right? Like, oh, well, so now you're a captain, so now you get to bring, here's this one other piece of equipment that can travel through the time gate, right? Or whatever oh, it is. Oh, so yeah. So here's a, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I think one of her conceits is that nothing goes through the time gate, um, which yeah. eventually you could bend. That would be one thing you could bend. Um, I was just thinking about the mechanics of this, right? So you could take the rank and yeah. tie that to... You could tie that to a cliche that has to do with influence within the consortium, right? So, sure. like, yeah, at first, like you know, your rank is time agent, so you have a really low rank, like a you have like a really small cliche um, in you know department influence or whatever. And then, like, as you move up to like captain and beyond that, like that number gets greater, and there's you know more things you can influence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but definitely tying the um, title to some sort of in-game benefit is going to make that feel like a better reward. Because while the title's nice, if the players can't do anything with the title in the game, uh, they'll get bored with it really quick. Yeah, then it won't actually make a difference. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it be cool if as because they don't know anything about the consortium, right? And like, what if what if as they rise in ranks, they get like better you know security access sure to find out or more maybe cool they fi- stuff about this and, and i mean that could tie in with how you actually turn it into a long campaign that sounds fascinating right. to me maybe they find out at higher levels you can travel with gear back in time right or maybe right. they, they find just out- they just don't let they just don't let rookies do it right right because you have to follow like unbelievably strict guidelines or yeah like what if you maybe- drop that gun you idiots like yes right <laughs> Or maybe that's how you find out about, like, the internal strife at higher levels of the consortium that the villain came from or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yep, yep. Good. All right. Question number two. How do I get them in the habit of playing with their cliches? Most of these players are longtime D&D players who aren't used to the improv nature of Isis, and I've been having a hard time getting them to try stuff that's a little outside of their character's wheelhouse. So this is a pretty common problem um, when players go for more traditional games like D&D where you can you can just be like, I'm going to hit it with my sword to a more story based game where, where we have sort of an expectation of a little bit more, um, you know, full on role play. So we've talked about it in, in a couple different ways, kind of, right? So we, we talked about it in episode 43, where we talked about encouraging improv. And then Phil also talked about it on one of his Phil solo episodes when I was dying, um, which was trying story games, right? So the Cliff Note ver- version, you know, until you get a chance to listen to those episodes. So the thing about improv is it's totally a skill, right? So yeah. it gets better with practice. So um, just because everybody's rusty and most people are reluctant because they are unfamiliar, uncomfortable. So the, um, the only way to get past that is to go through it. So you're going to, you know, you just need to remind everyone this thing's, this is a skill and it gets better with practice. Yeah. And just kind of support each other and make it a safe environment to be practicing a new skill that can be kind of scary and embarrassing. Right. Um, in the case of Ryza specifically, um, if you can use a cliche, it, basically it's when it makes sense to the fiction, right? So, so the question that you're asking is, how would I do X thing as a cliche? And then the answer is what's going to help you um, actually use those cliches in, in play and, and display them, right? 
Yeah, this is if you can hold that question, like if your players can hold that question in their mind, how do I do X as Y, mm-hmm. then um, you'll always be able to they'll always be able to figure out the narrative, right? Like, how do I drive this car as a super spy? Yeah. Right. So because we have really strong ideas about what that looked like. Yeah. Right? Because now when I think about that, right, I'm thinking about like super tight turns and zipping through traffic right. and, you know, James Bond. Exactly. And Jason Bourne. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, really fast and dangerous driving, driving down the wrong sides of the street across, you know, over sidewalks and things like that. Um, or how do I disarm this alarm system as a hacker? Right. Right. So now I'm um, what is it? Ken Height calls it dramatically typing right yes. like I'm, I'm dramatically <laughs> typing on the computer right attempting to um you know attempting to override codes and to you know make right. this Things thing are shut flashing off. on the screen and yeah there's and, there's and actually like, light there's like lines of code being projected on my right. face from the screen right. yeah right because for some reason the screen just projects yeah I'm, because it's I'm just that level of intensity in, exactly i'm bathed in light <laughs> as i'm furiously typing right um Absolutely. Sweat There's music playing. Brow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So that is like, so that's a, so all joking aside, this, how do I do X as Y? How do I do action as cliche is a little like improv tool, yep. right? This is a little improv tool. It'll help with Rysis because it just helps people, you know, try to figure out. So like, let's say, if, cause like you have multiple cliches in Rysis. So if you're faced with a problem and you're like, okay, how do I, you know, drive this car as a lumberjack? Nah, not really interesting. How do I drive this car as, you know, a uh, uh, high school mean girl? Mm, nah, maybe, you know, like you just go through yeah. each one of your cliches until like you plug one in and you're like, oh, of my cliches, this is the one that sounds like the best. Yeah. You know, makes the most sense, sounds the best. It's the one I can picture in my head. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, cool. So uh, yeah, drop that on your drop that on your players, and just remind them um, again because if if and this is the other part if they've only played D anD D, switching to Rysis or any other game, whether it's a story game or a traditional game, uh, resets system mastery. So they're yes. also playing this game without system mastery right now. So the more plays yes. of it they get, the more comfortable they're going to be with the system. And with Rysis, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of system. So yeah. uh, you'll <laughs> so your learning curve is going to go really quick. Yes. Cool. Yep. It might already be there because yeah, by the time um, we got this, this, this right, thing out, right? Sorry. Like I know, I know she she ra- she started running it again like at the beginning of the month. <laughs> rock on, rock on. Hopefully this, so, hopefully this will be we're there. Sunlight. We're totally there in solidarity. Okay, so the next question is, how do I further develop the villain? And Chelsea said she listened to our villain episode again, but she already endangered the primary NPC. So, like, what next? Yeah, so villains develop in a number of ways without having to directly involve them in the story. Because the thing you always want to be careful of is anytime you put a villain out in front of the players, you run <laughs> they the might risk get murdered. Right, you run the risk <laughs> of your players murdering or capturing your villain. So yeah. you need to still kind of develop them, but don't put them where the players can grab at them. Yes. So, um, so what helps a lot here is behind the scenes, like taking some time. 
to figure out who the villain is and what's actually driving them. Because then you have ways that you can, you know, drop hints of them, um, seed them throughout other things for your players to find without them having to actually physically show up. Yep. So there's a number of different techniques you can use to kind of show off some of the depth of your uh, your villain. Yeah, so you can, like, um, develop their backstory through associates. So, like, people, um, especially in, in this particular scenario, I would say, like, people at the consortium who knew them when, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little unclear on if this villain has been just a consortium villain for all of this time or was, like, used to be internal to the consortium and has now turned them against them or no, something it's an like ex-cons- that. No, it, it, I think it's, it's an, an ex-consortium. Ex-consortium. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, like, there are maybe people in this... Um, you know, in this organization, who knew this person, right? And and what are their feelings about this person? Like, do they, you know, did they like them and they don't understand what happened? Do they see their point of view but think that they're going about it wrong? Like, you know, you can you can put a lot of story in by adding the relationship tension between other, you know, NPCs in this villain. Yep. Give them a chance to talk to the villain, but not to fight. So maybe the villain gives them a phone call. Yeah. Right? Or maybe Mm -hmm. the villain's, like, on the high ground and the players can't attack, but the villain can, like, talk to them for a minute before escaping. Like, although don't, you know, if your players are anything like Anakin, they'll think (laughs) that they can, you know, they'll think that they can win. Um, and then they'll just lose all their limbs and lay in lava. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe the phone call is a better phone call is probably better. Even even a letter, like yeah, even a letter. Like if you're back in time, like the villain leaves a letter for them to find, and like just you know monologues in the letter a bit. Right, and then it's fun because you can like hand them the letter. Oh right? yeah, totally. Which is always great, right? Um, so uh, you can also do fun things like. Give them a situation in which the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So, like, they have to work together on something that is very pressing, that the only way that everybody can solve it and everybody wants to solve it is if you work together, even though you really don't want to. Marvel Strike Force. (laughs) That happens. That happens. Lastly, have have the villain do something good for their own personal reasons. Like... Um, you can show a lot of depth to a villain because like, let's say they jump back in time uh, just to make sure that like some kid gets to his prom. Right. Right. Like it doesn't have anything directly to do, or maybe it does. It reveals something about the, uh, it reveals something about the villain, but like the villain makes sure that like this teenage like boy or, or girl gets to prom. Right. Right. Like it shed like because up to this point, you know, the villain's been like, you know, setting off volcanoes and threatening to kill people. But then like as you track the villain down, like the villain just spent like the whole episode, like, you know, just before escaping, like making sure this kid like had everything they needed to get to prom. Why? Right. Like why? Right. Yep. (laughs) And only to find out that it isn't going to create some crazy ripple effect in the future. It's like literally just going to help this kid get to prom. So what you're working to avoid as you develop your villain is putting them into a winnable conflict with your players, right? Because your players are only interested in taking down the villains. So if you put the villain in harm's way, you're going to run the risk of losing them. And we, we talked about some ways to deal with it if you do. Yeah. But, um, but you know, but even just 
avoid it. Even if you have them work together on a pressing issue, be mm-hmm. ready for that mm-hmm. villain once the pressing issue passes Ooh, to they gotta be go gone. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. Like the villain gone. already thought about that. Like right. Yes, I'm working with like, you. I'm working with you, but. Um, oh, look, as we hit the last button, I was a hologram all along because I wasn't stupid enough to be in the same room with you. Yeah, or I have already, you know, hostage somebody else. So I'm just Mm -hmm. going to like you go save them and I'm just going to waltz out of here and jump back through the timeline. Yep. All righty. Good stuff. Remember, keep that villain out of players hands until you're ready to deliver them. Yep. And then when it's time, deliver them. Don't yeah, cheap then, out then on deliver. that. Don't, don't cheap out on delivering because you've spent all that time doing it. Yeah, do it. Yes. Give them- okay. Yeah. All right. So, last question. Do you have any tips for making quick judgment calls? So, Chelsea said she tends to freeze, freeze up when she needs to kind of figure out the answer to a question that she doesn't have, like, immediate recallable knowledge about. Like, would cholera be something you'd quarantine in 1532? And her concern is that, you know, it's a balance of she wants to try to have the game be realistic, um, but at the same time, not have the game, like, you know, grind to a halt to try to figure that answer out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, first thing, this is actually pretty common. Um, Yeah. It's not actually a problem. It's really more about um, learning to balance improv and realism. And... um, when we are creating a narrative, we need it to be realistic enough that everyone's going to follow along. Right, because if what we say is too unrealistic, we actually run the risk of either breaking immersion or the players start to ask questions and challenge the narrative and that sort of thing. Like you you can get into situations where people get rules lawyery on the calls that you're making if they feel that it's too unrealistic for the time, right? Or for the setting. As the case may be. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it's a it's a real challenge. Like, if the players don't buy onto what you're saying, like, then the narrative gets hijacked, right? Because people are like, well, uh, you don't think they would put them in mines in 1532 because, you know, structurally mines weren't, you know, like, and then on and on yeah, and on. Yeah. And then, yeah. Just like, and, and, you've, and you've lost the point, right? The point is yeah. to keep the game moving, not to not to be the history channel. Okay. Yes. So maybe, so, maybe drunk history. That yeah. one's good. So what what happens is that when we run into something that we don't have an answer for, we start this race in our minds of to of coming up with something that sounds reasonable. Right. And the more you hamster wheel trying to find the thing, the more latency or dead air you get. Right before you you get something out and. As we've said before, dead air is killer. Like, we don't want that blank space in, in your games. Um, I mean, that's that's something that I think all GMs is, it's a thing we're always all working to avoid. It's something that I struggle with sometimes. So there's some ways to combat this. Yeah. So the first one is prep, which is when possible, try to anticipate that kind of stuff and get it into your prep. And of course, you're not going to be able to anticipate everything. But if you're like, okay, I know they're going to 1532. Let me write down like the five high points of like things that are going on. Um, Like there is cholera and I have no idea what else is happening in 1532 but you get the idea (laughs) yeah because when because when you do this at the prep level like if you know like your stories about cholera and you're jumping to 1532 
a Google search while you're prepping your game will solve this problem. Now, that is for the stuff that you know is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The rest of our, the next three points of our advice are for what to do actually at the table, right? I just had to put prep in because one should- You have to because you're you're the king of prep. Yeah. One should always try to prep. Okay. The next one is farm the table. So at this point, don't feel like you solely have to come up with every answer. Yes. So this is one where you just- Ask the table like you think, like, for instance, we get to this question about cholera in 1532 and I might say, like, you know, I think probably there there's a quarantine. Do you guys agree? Do you think there's like probably some sort of quarantine? And then and then like everybody at the table's like, yeah, I think there would be right. Like, yeah, they probably right, have a yeah, camp or something reasonable. or a monastery. Yeah. Right. Like and yeah. then and then the table is doing your work. But here's the important part. You don't actually have to be right. Yes. <laughs> everyone at the table has agreed to it, you just yep. keep going. You just keep going. This is actually my favorite solution. This is the thing that I use all the time. I'm just like, oh, yeah, does that sound about right? What do you guys think? And, and if somebody at the table's like, no, no they didn't well, have fine. quarantines for cholera oh, and no, like launches too. into like two minutes of why they didn't because they're like some yeah. sort of history buff, then you're like, perfect. Awesome. We'll use yeah. that. Exactly. We'll use that. Yeah. Anything else we should know? Like, yeah. yeah. The, sec- the secret to farming the table is that you are getting everyone to buy in and you yes. have less of a chance of anyone of anyone challenging the narrative because they yep. all contributed to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a yeah. farm. The table is a great, it's, great it's my favorite. Um, use. Uh, what's another definitely one? My favorite. Um, another one. So is uh, and I see this one used a lot. And every now and then when I really just can't come up with something, I use it, too, which is to roll a die. Right. So then you can be like evens. Yes, there's a quarantine odds. No, there's no cholera quarantine. Right. There it is. Let the die do the work. Yep. Uh, the last one, and this is actually a famous and uh, time-honored tradition of GMs, is Indeed. take a break. Yep. So if the fact is, if the fact that you need to know is really important, and you don't either either farming the table didn't help or rolling a die isn't going to work for you, take a break. This is a good time for everyone to go refresh their drinks and go to the bathroom. And as soon as everybody gets up from the table, break out your phone, Google. Answer yep. the question, get Answer it all set question. back up, take a couple minutes, and then get back into the game. Get back in the game. Yep. Uh, sometimes this is the, uh, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. And then while you're in the bathroom, yes. feverishly <laughs> think of what to do next. Um, I often um, I often just turn this on everyone else and just am like, oh, let's take a break. Uh, anyone who needs to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. And then as soon as you say that, people are like, uh, oh, I do. Right? Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it totally works. Uh, once you have made your decision, own it. Don't roll back. Yeah. So the thing to remember is that, I like, and I get it because you 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 you're going for some level of accuracy here. But like, it is a game, and it is a work of fiction. It doesn't need to be a hundred percent accurate as long as it was fun and made sense to the people you were playing with, and they bought in on it, and it didn't break immersion for them, right? Yeah, because no one in your group is actually a time traveler and probably not anyone's like a PhD historian. Although if you're playing yeah. like with Ken Heights group, um, you run you run a risk of playing with some like heavy hitters who are like, you know, you better bring your A yeah. game. But likely if you're running like my table, like no one's an actual time traveler or historian. So no one actually has a better position than anyone else about what's going to happen. Right. Exactly. So make your decision 
get back into the action. It's way more interesting at the table and just kind of keep it moving, keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I think, what we would say. Yeah. So those were Chelsea's questions. And uh, in answering them, we hope we've also covered some interesting topics for everyone else. But since we have exhausted all of Chelsea's questions, it's time for us to roll into the closing of the show. But before we do, Senda, tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Well, She's a Super Geek is an actual play RPG podcast that highlights women as GMs. And you can join them every other Tuesday for lots of different RPGs and guests. (laughs) Anyway, so if you enjoy my dulcet tones, you should check out She's a Super Geek, because that's my other show. Sometimes I show up there. Yeah, it's true. We played Starcrossed. Mm -hmm. That was the last time you showed up, I think. I got a couple. The time before that, we broke everyone's hearts with um, The Skies Are Gray and You Are Depressed. Oh, so good. Boof. So good. Required aftercare on the internet. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Let us roll into the closing. Senda, where do people reach us on the interwebs? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community, or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? Please send us your topics. We love getting messages, uh, including, just like Chelsea did, sending us a bunch of questions about how we can help you with uh, your GMing or your game. Uh, Send us your topics. We love to talk about the things that are interesting to you. Um, Otherwise, uh, we're just going to sit around and do Ditch Lily Trivia for a whole episode. Which right. I think you guys are going to probably want at some point. Maybe. But we're not just giving that away yet. Um, right. So hold your horses on that. It's coming. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, what else can people do with our social media information? Well, you can send us your table selfies. So the next time you are running a game and you are using any of these tips that we just talked about today, or even if you're not, we would like to see you and those awesome peeps you are playing with because we love to see what you guys are playing. So take a picture of you and that awesome table, hashtag it table selfie and drop it on the social media of your choice. Twitter is definitely the easiest place for us to find it, but we will make an effort for everywhere else as well. We will indeed. If you like what we do here or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, go check out our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons of the show get all sorts of yummy stuff, including access to the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from the Misdirected Mark show, um, assorted PDF goodies as we create them, uh, as well as access to our Slack Room for Life. And uh, as we are ought to do at the end of shows, we like to shout out to a few of our patrons. Mm -hmm. So let's begin. Stephen Farrell, the Knight of Layers. Thank you. Thanks, Uh, Stephen. Rich Ruane. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) And Evil Rich. So I think maybe we had the good twin and the evil twin, the good rich and the evil rich. Rich Rich Ruane and then Evil Rich. Yeah, thanks, Evil Um, Rich. Thank you very much. <laughs> Say, Senda, if you are already patroning the campaign or unable to patron the campaign, which is perfectly fine, what is the other thing you can do that makes us like really super crazy happy and kind of makes you black and white and red all over? <laughs> I 
knew you were going to come back to that. Uh, you can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Apple just happens to be the one that we check the most frequently. So if you leave one somewhere else, drop us a note so that we know because we would love to read it. All of your reviews really do actually help new people find the show. And we super, super appreciate them. And they make me really giddy and kind of blushy. So yeah, black and white and red all over. So, Phil, show me how you're going to make those PCs want to level up and defeat your villain. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Bloop. I have to um I have to watch a um seven part training video before I take this online course in July. Mm-hmm. And I am like dreading <laughs> because I'm gonna be like because I have such good sleep habits that I'm going to be like, okay, let's uh-huh. watch training video. Right? Like just, oh God. I I, I mean, I, I have working from home. No. In the middle of a, in the middle of conference a conference call, right? That I was not, I was not in any way, shape or form involved in. They didn't need me for anything. I was muted, thankfully, so hopefully I wasn't snoring. But. Luckily, I'm far enough along in my company where I can basically make that statement where I'm just like, I don't need to be in this meeting. Bloop. We'll see. I'm nervous because if I do it tomorrow, and I think I'm going to do it tomorrow, if I do it tomorrow, I'll have recorded the show late tonight. Yeah. It may not be the best chance for me to be awake, you know? Well, you know, you know. I mean, it's midnight and we're recording. And we're starting the show and we haven't even gotten to the beginning of the show yet. And I already bonked my mic with my knee. And by the way, I'm not going to put my knees behind my head. It's not that flexible. It doesn't go. (laughs) What is happening on this show right now? I mean, you get an A for effort. Uh-huh. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's a very valent, valiant attempt. It I'm, was definitely an attempt. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what happens next. How I don't even know how we have a show right now. I'm collecting myself. Bloop. Delete, 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 delete. <laughs> oh, maybe. It's such good material. I know. It really might stay. Bloop. <laughs> now you have something to delete. Uh-huh. <laughs> Quarantine that section of audio. <laughs> See guys in like silver oh, suits with like blow God. torches just cleaning like, out those waveforms. Cleaning Whoa. these waveforms. <laughs> get rid of Not the, permitted. Get rid of that. <laughs> um turning point. Um nearly turning done with point. Nearly done with sprint three. Oh hells yes. This will be the yeah, just passing passing the last little bit back and forth. This will be the sprint that gets us to Origins. There yep. may be a sprint to QCC, yeah, and one more sprint to Metatopia, and then I think yep. after Metatopia, um, yeah, hopefully it's no more sprints finalized. Yeah, because 
I, so that would be, what is it? This is sprint three, sprint four, sprint five. So five sprints. Yeah, five sprints. Which we talked and about in uh, in, in the um, uh, Bilbo Grab Baggins last week. <laughs> yes. Aren't we funny? <laughs> <laughs> quite witty. Quite witty title, if I do Very say so indeed. myself. We're um, quite witty. <laughs> so our, next, our next grab bag will be Frodo Grab Baggins. Bloop. Right, um, we're going to be at Origins. Come play our games. I don't want to show up to an empty table, for God's sake. Yeah, seriously, I don't want to show up to an empty table either. Yeah, no, nobody um, wants to show up to an empty table. So if you're going to Origins, you need to come play our games. Um, yeah. We keep posting shit about it. So, uh, But if not, just ask Pandas Talk, and game, Pandas Talk Games, and we'll tell you where to find it. Bloop. So we've got two weeks of uh, whatever we're going to do, and then grab bags. Yep. So if you got questions, send them in. Sweet. Our question list is pretty robust right now, though. It is. I'm. I'm trying to. I'm trying to chop through it, though. So. Yeah, I think you're chopping through pretty well. Yeah. Bloop. So we should. Uh, we should get into this episode because this one is oh, really uh, not. We're, we're, this one's not small. Um, and yeah. if we're gonna make some, if we're gonna make outtakes, we'll make them inside the. Um, I'm sure we'll make them inside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Meow. Meow. Bloop. Boom. 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 Okay. We're doing Three, GMing two, advice one, one on one. <laughs> that was awkward. I'm singing like two different songs. Weird. Yes. Oh boy, we're gonna have to pop splain that in a second. <laughs> put a pin. Put a pin in that. We'll pop splain that line I'm in a minute. Bob, I'm putting no pin in that. <laughs> Got some pops. I could pop splain it right now. Send a Quantum Leap is a TV show oh. from the 1980s on the NBC network, where mm-hmm. a single time traveler um, would get would get shunted from body to body. Um, throughout uh-huh. the timeline, and he had to keep solving problems in order to leap to the next body. Wait, wait, wait. You've told me about this one before. I might have. No, no, no. I think I told you about Seven Days, which is my other favorite time travel. That's the one where they send somebody back in time seven days to solve the solve a problem. No, no, but is Quantum Leap the one where like he has to figure out who's the person helping him that time, but they always look like someone different, so he doesn't know who they're going to be? Yeah, well, he's he's always in a different body. So, like when he finally looks at himself in the mirror, like he's like you know a teenage girl. He's a you know whatever. Karatoka, Karatoka, Krakatoa, Krakatoa. What the hell? What's black and white and red all over? Uh, the show notes. No, well, I mean, okay, that's true too. Actually, (laughs) damn it, they're black and red. I was, but I was going for, I was going for something else. I was going for a blushing panda. Oh, yes. Right? Not, not a spanked panda. Bloop. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing to the show right now? <laughs> what is, that can't, that is another, this is I like guess calling depends the on hazmat the cheeks, right? suits. Oh, God. Stop. I'm going to end up having to include some of this, and then you're going to regret it. <laughs> Spanked Panda. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a Ditch Lilies uh, single. Oh, my God. Spank- well, see, now I have to leave all of this in. <laughs> Spanked Panda was, um, yeah, it's definitely a song about Lily and Megan because... Well, because Megan has... While it was never, yeah. while it was never proven, Megan apparently had some tendencies. She has some proclivities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, 
Bloop. Okay. Um, so we'll fix it then. But 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 yes, but, but, this but, but, is the but, Chelsea but, episode. Oh, okay. Bloop. I was gonna say but 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 is how you get a how you get a uh, spanked panda. <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna do with this episode? What are you doing? I told you we'd find some outtakes in the middle of the episode. <laughs> I don't even know. What? Okay, keep going. Bloop. Carry on. No, you carry on. Oh shit! Where are we? The part where it's red. Because if you, if what you, because if what you say, mm, oh my god, take three, burp, bloop, burp, <laughs> burp. That's not a that that's not a that's not a sound. That's not a sound we use in the show. <laughs> I mean, it could be. I, I guess. I no, I don't think so. Bloop. Cholera, um, cholera concentration camps. That's not quite oof, right. That oof, okay. <laughs> Hang on. Um, Evans, cholera. <laughs> what do you think, Phil? Do what they have uh, cholera? <laughs> Are you going to farm this out to me? Table. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no. Okay, Evans, okay, okay. Evans, there's a quarantine for cholera. Quarantine odds, is the word that I lost. Odds, there's no quarantine for cholera. Thank you. I city. lost the word quarantine and I just could not. <laughs> Let me just try that again. All right. Well, Bloop. every time we get a new rating, a panda gets spanked. I thought it was every time we get a new rating, a panda blushes. Spanked, blushes, whichever one you think is more interesting. <laughs> this is all staying in the show at this point. You know that, right? Like, there, I can't, the, I can't cut it out. It's the spanked it's the panda, episode. panda show. <laughs> The Spanky and Panda Show. Bloop. Ooh, ooh, Good. I'll be Spanky. <laughs> Bloop. So I'm going to end the show now? Works in so ending? many ways. Can I do the ending of the show now, please? <laughs> you desperately oh want to get out of the show, don't you? I really do. All Otherwise right. You're gonna do it. Keep talking about spanking pandas. Bloop. Mm-hmm. Well. Do, do. <laughs> Sorry, did you have an answer? Nope, you can answer. Nope. Did it have no, to do with no. spanking pandas? No, but it should. It should at this point. At higher levels, you get to spank more pandas. <laughs> do you, do you um, get like dual weapon proficiency? Yes. Panda spanking? <laughs> dual weapon proficiency. So, how many pandas spanking. can you spank? I'm wielding two paddles. <laughs> Or the weapon of ass <laughs> destruction. A horrifying like the... idea. <laughs> we should leave. Poor pandas. They're so fluffy and adorable. Maybe they like spankings. <laughs> you never I don't know. know. Did you ask them? Is it consensual panda spankings? Enthusiastic I'm sure. consent is what we're going for. Enthusiastically consensual pandas uh-huh. spankings. I mean, okay. you basically just give them bamboo for aftercare. <laughs> And then they just hug each other and fall over. They're adorable. <laughs> okay, let's leave now. <laughs> Say goodbye. Bye.